Welcome to the Emergency Medicine Cases Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anton Hellman, bringing you Canada's brightest minds in emergency medicine from EMC Studios in Toronto. While I was at the Pediatric Emergency Research Conference in Banff, I was lucky enough to run into Dr. Amy Plint, one of Canada's prominent researchers in bronchiolitis. And we had just finished recording a podcast on bronchiolitis with Dr. Dennis Skolnick and Dr. Sanjay Mehta, and she was kind enough to agree to give us her take on the management of bronchiolitis. So, Dr. Plint, welcome to EM Cases, and if you could just tell us a little bit about your background for our audience, that would be great. So, I'm a pediatric emergency physician at the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario in Ottawa. I'm a associate professor at the University of Ottawa in the Department of Pediatrics and Emergency Medicine and currently the chair of Pediatric Emergency Research Canada. So Dr. Plint, the management of bronchiolitis, as we had mentioned in the podcast, is very confusing and very controversial. Could you just give us your general approach on the management of bronchiolitis, a little bit about the evidence base for the different medications of bronchiolitis and what you do in real clinical practice? Certainly, thanks. The management of bronchiolitis, as our previous speakers mentioned, it's it's very difficult, controversial, and I don't feel simple. The main stays of treatments that people will talk about is fluids, oxygen, whether to use salbutamol, whether to use epinephrine, whether to use steroids, and hypertonic saline. So I think the keystone of management has to be hydration and oxygen for children that need it. Then you get to the next question of, well, these kids kind of look like asthmatics. Should we give salbutamol to them? The CPS guidelines and the AAP guidelines and the evidence is quite strong that salbutamol is not beneficial in bronchiolitis. Bronchiolitis is not asthma. There's much more swelling and debris of the small airways. The beta agonist effects of salbutamol seem to have minimal role to play in managing bronchiolitis. Then it comes to the question of, well, what about steroids? We'd all like a magic bullet. Well, steroids by themselves, I think the evidence is very strong from both the study that we did within our PERC research network and the American study, the PCARN study, very clear that a dose of steroids in and of itself does not appear to make any improvement in the course of bronchiolitis in terms of symptoms or reducing risk for admission. Then we lead to the next uh, options of epinephrine or not. And I think this is where you'll really see a a split between U.S. and Canadian uh, practices. Certainly, the CPS guidelines suggest that the evidence of epinephrine for outpatients is equivocal, where the AAP guideline would suggest that we shouldn't give it because of the risks of a transient benefit in children subsequently returning to be admitted. Now, when you look at the use of epinephrine, I think the BMJ meta-analysis published by uh, Dr. Hartling a few years ago showed that the drugs that had the most likely chance of reducing admissions to hospital was epinephrine and epinephrine and dexamethasone within the first 24 hours of presentation to the ED. If you look out to seven days, it looks like they may also have a benefit, but that is not clear So talking first just about epinephrine, why might that work if salbutamol didn't? Well, epinephrine has beta agonist effect as well as alpha effects. And as a result, it may have a more vasoconstrictive effect 
and thus that could be beneficial in bronchiolitis because it helps to reduce the swellings in the airways. So my take would be that a trial of epinephrine is certainly not an unreasonable thing to try in the emergency department. I would not give the child repetitive doses if they do not clearly respond to it. Then you need to speak to the question of, well, what if you're just transiently improving them, they go home and they get worse? Well, I think we have no evidence at all to suggest that the kids get more worse than if you had given them placebo. Children who are treated with placebo also return to the emergency department, as do some children who are treated with epinephrine. But we have no evidence that they come back sick to the point of needing resuscitation room care or sicker than if they had received nothing. So I guess it would depend on your metrics there as to whether or not you would be comfortable using epinephrine. For me, if you treat a child and they come back a couple days later and need admission, I don't find that to be the end of the world. But if that's your metrics that measure the success of your hospital, you may want to reconsider it. So then what about epinephrine and dexamethasone? And this is where I think the biggest controversies exist. So when we completed our PERC study that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine a few years ago, we designed a trial that was really two studies in one. So it's called a factorial design. So we looked at epinephrine compared to placebo by itself and dexamethasone compared to placebo by itself. That was the original study design, sort of two trials in one because we didn't think that there would be any interaction between the two drugs. But in fact, there was an interaction between the two drugs. So we then had to consider it as a forearm trial, meaning we had to say patients got epinephrine and dexamethasone versus placebo, epinephrine versus placebo, dexamethasone versus placebo, and placebo and placebo. And then that led to a whole debate of how one analyzes a trial where you appear to have an interaction between two drugs that was not anticipated which is why we report both an adjusted and an unadjusted analysis in the comparison. If you don't adjust for multiple comparisons, using epinephrine and dexamethasone appear to reduce admissions by 10%. And you might say, well, what's 10%? Who cares? That's a lot of kids to treat with dexamethasone and epinephrine before you reduce admissions. But if you consider that the cost of bronchiolitis admissions in the United States is over $550 million. That's a pretty big savings in healthcare dollars. And anybody who's worked in a PZD could say, could tell you that having 10% more beds in bronchiolitis season would be really beneficial. So what's my take-home message from that? I think our take-home message is, you know, we can't clearly recommend combined therapy with epinephrine and dexamethasone. People have concerns about treating young infants with high-dose dexamethasone. And that's based on uh, literature in the premature infants that show very unwell, very premature infants who are treated with steroids early in life can have a risk of more neurocognitive issues. That does not appear to be the case even in later preterm infants, but it's still a concern that I think prevents people from wanting to adopt this therapy straight out. So would I treat any child with epinephrine and dexamethasone? Well, I certainly wouldn't treat any mild child that, you know, came in, was a little bit wheezy and was feeding well and had great SADs and didn't look too sick. I also wouldn't treat any of the kids that are actually getting admitted to hospital because the whole benefit that we showed of this was reducing the admissions to hospital. So if you have a child who's sick enough to present to your resuscitation room and need admission to hospital, I certainly wouldn't give it. So then that leaves the kids in the middle. And I think this is a point that has to be a personal decision and a decision with the families as to whether or not to you, um, you're comfortable in managing children using epinephrine and dexamethasone. I can say personally, I give 
most kids a trial of epinephrine. Very occasionally, I will give them a trial of epinephrine and dexamethasone together after discussing it with the families. I would not say I routinely do so, but certainly for some children, I would treat them. And I think that leads to the other point. If you are going to consider ever using the combined therapy, I would really recommend that they must be given close together because the timing seems to be crucial if there is any synergistic effect. And I would also suggest that myself, I would treat only for three or four days with our dexamethasone because if you look at the benefits of it, all the benefits of reduced admission seem to be in the first few days of illness. So in summary, I would say fluids, oxygen, consider a trial of epinephrine, weigh back and forth in your mind how you feel the combined therapy for epinephrine and dexamethasone is, and that's where I would consider the treatment. In terms of hypertonic saline, I think the evidence seems strong that for inpatients it can reduce the length of stay. I think within the emergency department we don't have good evidence that it uh, reduces risks of admissions. Certainly for the really sick kid and who came in and came to your resuscitation room, I would definitely treat with hypertonic saline. You have no, no risk of harm there. So that is basically how I manage bronchiolitis. And I'm supposed to know quite a bit about it, and I still find it confusing. So Dr. Plint, we don't have all the answers for bronchiolitis. What do you think are the important questions that still need to be answered in research on bronchiolitis? Well, I, th- I think there's a few. Actually, one of the first ones is to uh, follow up all those kids that we enrolled in our in our bronchiolitis trial to look at whether or not there were any neurodevelopmental concerns, whether they had a reduced risk of asthma as well. So there's some really important questions I think we can answer by following up those children. So that's a study we're, tr- we're actively trying to undertake. I guess then the question comes as to assuming there's no safety concerns, I would like to further explore the benefits of epinephrine and dexamethasone. I would like to look at a much lower dose. The dose that we used in our trial was based on the only study that had ever shown any benefit in bronchiolitis to steroids, which was Dr. Suzanne Chu's study out of sick kids, and we used the same dose that she had used in that trial. So I would really like to do a study where we had a lower dose of steroids because I think if we saw any benefit, clinicians and families would be much more comfortable using doses we're all familiar with like one would use in asthma. So I think that that would be a really important question. The question of what to compare it to, to me, I think it would be nice to have a really well done study of epinephrine to epinephrine and dexamethasone, and even another placebo arm. And my vision would be we would then add the evidence of the epinephrine and placebo arm to the 200 kids that got epinephrine in our previous published trial and to the placebo, and then look to see whether, in fact, there was any even slight reduction in admission. Because even if it was small, even if it was 5%, given the burden of disease, if there was no increased risk to the children in any way of using even just epinephrine alone, I think it could have some um, benefits. So those would be my thoughts. (laughs) Wow, that was amazing, Dr. Plint. (laughs) 